Happy Valentine's Day, photography lovers, and welcome to the Fashion Photography Podcast with me, your host, Virginia, and the producer of the podcast, the gorgeous George. Today is Friday, and you know that usually on Friday, I'm answering your questions, but I'm also giving you some tips and tricks. However, this Friday is going to be a little bit different because from time to time, whenever we think that something's going to be useful for you and your business, we are sharing it here in the Friday episode. And today we're going to talk to Philip, who is the creator of Cherry Deck. Cherry Deck is a gorgeous platform for photographers, but you're going to find out more about it in today's episode. I hope you will enjoy the podcast today. So it's time for us to welcome Philip. Hello, my name is Philip Bongartel. I'm the co-founder of Cherry Deck. Charitic is a platform for creatives. We help them represent themselves on the web and show their portfolios to clients and to other business partners. I'm based out of Hamburg in Germany. I've been living here for eight years. I'm 35 years old. I have a background in business. I've started a couple of businesses, some successful, some not. Tell me more about Charitic and what's your connection with photography, especially? Charitic started off as an idea born out of a, a personal need. So before doing Charitic, I worked on a project where I was looking for creatives all around the world all the time. So I was usually looking for photographers and designers. So we were doing big art installations in hotels and yachts and private mansions where we created those light sculptures and framed them with designs and photography. So we've been working, for example, the Sofitel in Singapore where Karl Lagerfeld created the rooms. And for him, we took photos of uh, ceilings in churches and we framed those photos of those church ceilings onto big light installations in the, in the ceiling in the actual hotel room so that people had the impression that they were sleeping in this church. So, um, and we had to find innovative concepts for these kind of things all the time. So different motives, different designs um, for lots of different use cases. And I was using obviously the web to get inspired about cool photographers. And I found that it's kind of annoying searching the web. So if you search for designs, Google is not really the right place to go because on Google, you will find text-based results and you have to go in and out of different results to really see what you want to get. Working with agencies for us was too expensive at that time. So we we're trying to find people ourselves. And I turned to Instagram and I saw that Instagram has a wide array of nice people I would like to work with. And it's really easy to compare styles and works because all the profiles, you know, there's the same. And if you visit a profile, you can immediately see if you like something or not. What I also found is that Instagram is hard to search. Basically, it's not able to give you a structured search interface. You know, you can search by hashtags, ceiling photographer, Singapore, you know, and, you know, you're going to get like something, but mm -hmm. usually you're not getting... A list of people that could do the job and so i thought why can't we have the instagram results visually based results but with the text type of input and search mm -hmm. so we built cherry deck we said okay we want to build some sort of a like a yellow pages for instagram <laughs> as, as, a, as a first idea so where people could sign up with their instagram account and say like hey i'm from this and that city i do for example i'm from berlin i do fashion i have my own studio and that's it or I'm up and coming, or I'm professional, or whatever. And if people go to our site, they can find those Instagram accounts based on the creators put into the sign-up form. 
Mm-hmm. And this is what the initial idea. So we didn't have a design. You know, we just built a wacky prototype. And then actually people started signing up. So like, hey, yeah, that's actually, I see this problem on Instagram. It's an idea that makes sense for us. Yeah. So we started working more on it, gave it a little bit of better design, started writing to people actively saying like, hey, you want to join? You know, it's, it's cool and it's nice and didn't take off by then. But this is how it kind of started. And then we thought like, okay, we have all those people there. So what are we going to do now? So we said, okay, let's build some features for them. And then we said like, okay, all those people, you know, they want to market themselves. Let's build some marketing features. So we build features where they can market themselves. So it's not a, it's not exactly a marketplace where clients come in and book you as a creative. I mean, it happens, but it, it wasn't exactly that by the time. So mm-hmm. we thought like, okay, you can build this platform. You can showcase yourself. Plus you get tools you can use to dig the gold. But then some companies started approaching us. They're like, hey, we're looking for someone here and we're looking for someone there. And we thought like, oh, maybe it actually could be some sort of a marketplace. We said like, okay, why don't we try to promote it towards clients? We have a very small team. We're just four people. And I started writing companies I knew. I told them like, hey, we have this awesome community of creatives. You're looking for someone. And, you know, a lot of people said yes. A lot of people said no. And we weren't really sure like how to do it exactly. We spent a lot of time figuring out like what or what company is the right company to approach and when is the right timing to approach because everybody needs content, but not all the time and not from a person we have, maybe from somebody else. So that was kind of hard. But now we have finally found a, a couple of niches where we think we could be more successful. The fashion industry is one of them. So there's a lot of, especially smaller fashion labels looking for content all the time. They want to promote their collections. They want to promote their events, whatever it is. And we can see there's a lot of interest coming from this side. The second one is corporate photography. And the next thing uh, we're doing is we work a lot with different types of bigger brands to create campaigns on Charitic with them. So. The regular jobs, what you will see on Charity, you will see like, this is the job. This is what we're looking for. It's happening in this time frame. This is the budget and people can apply, but people don't see what is the company because we don't obviously don't want people to circumvent, you know, to just approach the company themselves. But we also have a lot of bigger brands that say like, hey, we want actually people to know that it's us. For example, we have this company, Polestar, it's an electric car company. So like, hey, we have, we, you know, we want to promote our our product on your side because we love creatives. Creatives are the most important target group of the next decade. We really want to work with them. We really want to show our product to them. So what we did is we created like a, this branded campaign. So we do blog posts, we do interviews, people see like, what is the company? We create some sort of competition where people can actually work specifically or pitch specifically for a brand. And this is what we want to do more of in the next year, because obviously they they also pay for it. So we earn some money, but we don't earn gazillions yet. And so that's what we're going to hire uh, people who specifically approach those bigger brands and create campaigns with them. There were several things that you mentioned, and I got really interested. So there are four people in your team, right? Mm -hmm. And was it like that from the very beginning? No, I basically started off solo. Mm-hmm. I had a friend, he's an investor. He said like, hey, I think it's an interesting idea. You know what you want to do. I will invest a little bit of money for you to get started. 
with the money I got somebody else on the team. Uh, her name is Kuti. She was a marketing manager, basically, and together with her, the first year built up the marketing, and then we added new people to the team, Mariana and Luis. Mariana is a designer from Portugal. Mm-hmm. She's very good. She won for us the German Design Award, which is a very prestigious design award, and I'm super happy to have her on the team, and also Luis, who's a product manager, who basically takes care of building the product together with our engineers that it's specified in a way that the people that are using a platform actually their feedback gets implemented into the product and that's the core then also we have astrid astrid used to be an intern with us and now as i said we're adding new people to the team this year it's very interesting for me that you have a really personal touch to everything i remember the first time i heard about charidac it was actually by dm on instagram and it was a person from your team. Yeah, they were inviting me. And it's just so nice to have this personal type of um, touch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So was it intentional decision? Every company is built the way the people that build it, they influence how it works. If you have a company founder that is super structured and super operational, efficient, this will reflect in the way the company is or the product is built. And I, for myself, for example, I would say I'm a very outgoing, personal person. So I love to talk to people. I talk to everybody. I talk to people who don't know me. I just approach them. And I like, I appreciate if someone is friendly with me. And I appreciate if someone, you know, write, takes the time to write me a message. So that's what I automatically do myself, I would say. Mm-hmm. I never said like, yeah, we need a communication customer management system and people will have to write tickets if they have a support request or so. I just said like, people can write the email. My phone number is in in every email, my mobile number. You know, people can call me on the phone. We have Instagram DMs. Why not use it? You know, why would have people have to go to circumvent place where they already are, which is Instagram? Why go somewhere else? This is just how it came. Yeah, it's actually very logical to use the platform that they already are using. So, yeah. Tell me more about the algorithms. Let's talk a bit about the Instagram algorithms and then Mm -hmm. about your algorithms. Mm -hmm. So Instagram is getting really crazy lately. And maybe you've heard from many artists because here in the show, we talk about Instagram quite often. And everybody has a love-hate relationship with Instagram because of their crazy algorithms. Mm Mm-hmm. So in order to create something like your product, you have to be aware of their algorithms, right? Yes, correct. Do you want to share with us how you gained this information? Was it Mm -hmm. something that you did not expect through the process? Give us a little bit of details. The first thing you, you should probably know is when you develop products based on Instagram, if you use their API, so there's like a, a technical door to Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, you can use to attach your product to the Instagram database. You obviously have some sort of support from them because they want other companies to build products around Instagram mm-hmm. because it helps the platform be more successful because obviously they cannot build everything themselves. So you get some sort of information and insights already through Instagram directly, but it's very limited. Although I'm pretty lucky. I have two friends working at Facebook. You're a lucky guy, yeah. (laughs) Sometimes I have the opportunity, and the the Facebook office is just around the corner here, the German office. Nice. 
And sometimes I have the opportunity to just go there and ask questions. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I don't get answers because they have a very, very strict communication policy, mm -hmm. but sometimes you get a hint. So it comes in handy having a connection there. I would say the Instagram algorithm, obviously it's fascinating and nobody really knows what's happening, but um, when you work a lot with it, and if you also understand what their macro goals are, so not just the daily goals, but like the, what is the big goal of, of Facebook and Instagram for the future? you kind of like start understanding their strategic moves and why they do something. For example, the API where we get the data from the users for our platform, there's different APIs. You know, there's business APIs for people who have business account or creator accounts. And there's basic API for people who have, use Instagram with a personal account. Those APIs, they share different type of data. For the business account, you get a lot of data, you know, because you you would say, you would think, you know, a business, they want to know a lot about themselves. They want to analyze their data and everything. But for the personal accounts, for example, you get almost no data because the underlying assumption is somebody who's using it personally, there should be as little data as possible shared mm -hmm. other companies, which has been a result of all the political stuff going on in the last couple of years with data breaches and so on. So they changed yeah. this drastically. Uh, this is also why the Instagram algorithm itself changes a lot. It's a lot due to not only business decisions for them to make more money, but also for political reasons, because they have to change things because they know if they only look for their business in two years time, you know, it's going to bite them. Speaking of Instagram for creatives, I think Instagram is a great marketing tool, great marketing platform that used to be super, super helpful for people who didn't spend money and time on Instagram, but also have to understand there is no such thing as a right to free traffic. So Instagram gives us all of this free traffic on the site as marketers. So, and you as a photographer, you're a marketer yourself, you know, you promote your work there. And this obviously decreases time over time because the user base is growing, you know, but time is not growing for you. So it's not like the time you spend on Instagram grows with the user base. You know, it's not like you spend eight hours a day, all of a sudden you still spend like an hour or two or a half or something every day there and it doesn't really increase so this is why the the impressions itself they get lower for your account this is why you get less free traffic what you can do about it is you, you can be super active you know you can write people so that you actively open doors for yourself for your account or you can advertise on it as a creative putting ads on instagram i'm not sure if it makes sense because it's super super complicated takes a lot of work to do instagram and facebook marketing successfully and a lot of knowledge also yeah a lot of knowledge and you really have to do it every day so i mean we have people sitting here doing only those ads mm -hmm. it's not like you put an ad there and then you know traffic comes and stuff happens you know you have to optimize it you have to find the right audience creatives get old you have to switch creatives you have to find the right text after the ad you have to build landing pages and all that stuff so it's a lot of work and that's why we say, okay, the, the best thing actually to do for marketers is not like spend the money on Instagram, but spend it for something else, spend it for sales, do sales calls and all that stuff. Um, but use as much as you can, obviously tools or to increase your organic traffic. This is why, for example, we, we have this engagement group on Cherry Deck. Are they still working? Because I think when you started with Cherry Deck, 
Engagement groups were so on the moment; everyone wanted to join an engagement group. And now the rumor has it that engagement groups on Instagram are really not working. I think it it really depends on like how you use it and what type of group you use and what the audience is in the group. So we use it every day, and we've been growing from like seven thousand followers in mid two thousand eighteen to like forty five now. So the way we set up our group is it's a manual group. So it's not a group where you like, you know, get automated likes or automated comments. So you actually have to put in comments and likes, stuff like that yourself.、Mm-hmm. What we can see if we don't use the group, the impressions and reach we get is much lower versus using the group. Obviously, it still depends like on the content you create and what hashtags you use.、It、depends a lot of things, but the way the Instagram feed works is you have to think of it as a A series of photos lined up or piled on top of each other. So, say you have a hundred photos. There's a way those photos are ordered.、Mm-hmm. Instagram says, like, okay, this is the photo that is on top, and the photo on top would be the first photo appearing in your screen if you scroll through your feed, right? And then there's a second one, a third one, and a fourth one, and so on and so on. If you post a new photo, people in their feeds will see it at in some rank, and say it's ranked at. Fifty, and if you use an engagement group, Instagram detects activity on the post and ranks it higher. So what it does is it says, okay, there's engagement on the photo, and this still is valid, and it ranks it higher. So it puts it from place number fifty maybe to place number ten or twenty or something like that. I mean, it's not a silver bullet, so to say, but it really definitely, together with other measures, helps you get the most out of this channel. And tell me more about your algorithms. If I am listed on your website, and I am listed on your website, what if I am listed along with some people from the same city? Let's say,、mm-hmm. what is going to be the order? Who is going to go first for the brand? Let's say that is looking at your website, and、uh, yeah, what's going to be the order? It's a good question because in some cities we have over a thousand users, like London, for example. There's thousands of good photographers. So the question is like, who's number one? It depends on several factors. So the first factor is how many people actually spend time on your profile. On your profile on Cherry Deck. Yeah, on your Cherry Deck profile. So if somebody goes to the site to the search and clicks person in the search,、mm-hmm. we assume it's an interesting profile. So what we do is we rank it a bit higher to see. If this would happen for the next search, and if the same photo would get clicked, or if it's a random result, if it proves to get more clicks versus all the other profiles, it gets ranked even higher. So basically, what the search result page does, it filters out all the profiles that are interesting and puts them on top. You're trying to be fair. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to be fair. It doesn't depend on your followers. We have cities where people with 200 followers are on top. We have cities where people with 100,000 followers are on top. So it doesn't depend on followers. Also, because this is one of the main things I wanted to change in the beginning. You know, we always just see people you know or influencers, and we didn't want that.、Yeah. Another thing is there's the save button on the platform. So if you get saved a lot, meaning somebody likes your profile, saves it in their library, it obviously helps you rank higher. 
There's another thing, uh, we have this tool called Cherrylink. Cherrylink is uh, something like Linktree. Probably everybody has heard of Linktree so far. It's a, it's a menu tool for your Instagram bio, comes with every profile. And if you use Cherrylink and somebody clicks your Cherrylink on Instagram, it will help you rank higher on Cherrylink. These are the main factors. There are a couple of other ones. For example, if you get promoted, if your profile gets promoted, Every week we promote a couple of profiles. Half of them are people that are paying for the platform that we like, and other half are people that are not paying. So that people that we just like. So we try to keep a mix there. Obviously we want to offer benefit for paying users, but it's not like you can just buy that spot. Obviously this would create a lot of clicks on your profile, yeah. which will help you rank. So once you've been promoted, you will rank higher for quite a while. And while we are in the topic of payment, Let's talk about your plans and what are you offering exactly? So we have a free plan. Basically what you can do, you get a listing on Charitec. You get a spot in the search results, people can discover you. What you also get, we have a, a section called deals where we work with other companies that provide interesting products for photographers. And through our platform, you can get a couple of discounts when you're a free user. Mm -hmm. You can also apply to some opportunities. So job opportunities that we post. But usually those are obviously not the biggest fish in the pond. Big opportunities, they're for the paying members. And the paying members, they can apply to the big opportunities, ask for those promotions. They can join the engagement groups. They get access to Cherrylink. They get access to deals, but better deals. So they can save more money or get more stuff from other companies. And these are the biggest differences. We have this tool uh, we're testing right now. It's called Brand Radar, where we can see which kind of companies are visiting our platform. Mm -hmm. We make this data available for paying users so they can reach out to them and do cold sales. And all of this is like under a hundred bucks a year. So we try to have it in a way that it's not too expensive. I, I'm sure you were wondering about this yourself, but I cannot stop myself but ask, what will happen to your platform if another fashionable app rise up? Well, to be honest, I don't know. Our main goal for 2020 is to work much more on the client side. So we've been mm -hmm. seeing in 2019, we didn't have a dedicated person to do the client sales. We really, really want to work a lot on this specific aspect because the more clients we have, the happier the users are in the community. So whenever I apply for Cherry Deck, I'm handpicked, right? Yes. In the beginning, we didn't have this quality control because we thought, okay, only photographers will sign up because it says it's for photographers. But mm -hmm. we were pretty wrong about that because yeah. obviously the, the idea of who's a photographer and what is photography, it's as broad as humanity. So we said, okay, we have to have some sort of you know control system. So when you apply to Charitec, it goes to like a dashboard. We look at you and we look at the data you provide and we look at your Instagram. And if you have a website, we look at your website and say like, okay, is this actually a photographer that does either artistic or commercial photography as a passion or a job and not just somebody taking photos. Mm -hmm. And right now we're doing this ourselves. It creates a lot of work. And in 2020, also, we want to change this in a way that the community decides who can join. Oh, if you would apply a series of other people who are already existing on the platform would get a request to rate your work. I think it would make sense. Maybe you do it in a way, you know, if you get accepted, until you can start, you have to write 10 other users or so, something like that. I, we don't know yet exactly how this is going to look, but 
this would make it more scalable, mm-hmm. you know, more more easy to use for everyone. And I think it's really, really important because also it creates more a sense of a community. We don't really know how this is going to look like, but I think it makes sense for us. Obviously, we cannot sit there all our life, all, every day, you know, on Saturday, Sunday, vacation days yeah. and you know, check out profiles. I completely understand you because for the Facebook group of the Fashion Photography Podcast, we do handpick every person mm-hmm. who was into it. And, and it takes so much time. It's lovely because the community afterwards is very curated, but it takes a lot of time. Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. You know what I love about your website? It's the fact that there are only nine photos and they're all picked up from my Instagram account, which means that I don't need to sit in front of a computer and look for my folders and look for the specific photos that I want to upload Mm. to your website. It's so amazing. And I really love the fact that I can change the photos from time to time. In the beginning, we thought like, okay, I mean, obviously, users ask for everything, you know, they they ask for things you can't even imagine. A lot of people say like, I don't have Instagram and I cannot use it. But we said like, okay, then this is the, the product is not for them. The basic idea is to make Instagram more searchable, find talent that's using this platform. Obviously, also brands, they sometimes want to work with people who have influence. So that's also important for them. Right in the beginning, because we said, okay, we we kind of provide like a, a big infrastructure of profile sections and albums and so on and so on. And then we started with this initial nine photos because we said, okay, nine photos is enough to understand if you like someone or if you like the work or not. It is enough. We kind of kept it that way. And I also think it's enough. The visual result, you know, is really enough to say, like, do I like it or not? And tell me more about the name. How, how did you come up with this name? We had thousands of name ideas and a lot of domains were already taken. And then I thought, OK, what is the idea of Cherry Deck about? Is English, there's this word cherry picking from a cake. Just take the chocolate pieces or the cherries. And deck is another word for portfolio. So it's kind of a combination of, you know, cherry picking portfolios. And now when you're handpicking people for cherry deck, what is the most important thing that you're looking for? There's a series of things we're looking for. But the first question we ask ourselves is, would somebody in the world book this person for a job? Mm -hmm. Could this person be successful with selling their work? We have a lot of people, you know, that they take photos for a passion. They take photos of the skies or family or you know their home or their, their pets and everything. Really good photos. But we say like, okay, but they're not going to have any experience here because it's not like a hobby site. Mm-hmm. So we ask, would anybody go to this person and say like, oh, okay, you can do a job for me? This is the first question we ask. And then obviously style. Sometimes we've chosen to exclude a couple of styles on our platform for example like this boudoir photography even if they're professional we're not going to include them in charitic because there's a lot of examples of sites that include those people where brands don't go because they think it's not professional this is what we're looking for and then we see if somebody you know do they have a website you know what do they have clients sometimes it's really easy to see that someone is doing really good work and then it's a no-brainer yeah and if somebody's really bad, it's also a no-brainer. But most of the cases are like somewhere in the middle where you have to put in some work and check them out. Well, then, guys, I think it's a great opportunity to just apply for the website and you'll be able to see whether 
these gorgeous people are thinking that you were actually sellable. You mentioned that it was very hard for you to find out exactly when is the right time for a brand to work with a creator, what they need to do. Tell me what was the most surprising part for you? Something that you did not expect it and it turned out the way it is. We told the brands in the beginning, we said like, hey, if you're looking for someone, you can find someone and we will shortlist people for you. So so get the best people and it's, and it's free for you. And brands were really distracted by the fact that it was free. So they didn't actually expect something to be free that used to be paid before, you know, when working with an agency, for example. Yeah. They said like, why is it free, you know, but, you know, and how does it work and everything? And we said like, okay. Maybe with brands, you actually have to just put a a price tag to something and it's going to be easier. So this is what we started doing just recently. We started charging and it's easier and they're more committed to work with us when we charge money. This is what we're going to do in the future. I mean, we don't charge a commission. So if if there's a budget, there's a budget and goes all to the photographer because they already have the subscription to our site. But for example, this brand Polestar we work with or other brands we're uh, talking to like Philips or the, the country of Tyrol. There's different brands we're talking to. They're committed to pay something because they also know they get a benefit out of it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't depend on the amount of money that goes to the creative. So there's just this separate view of the money for the creative and the money for the company. This was really surprising that having something for free is not always the best idea. It's not very surprising to me, to be honest, because a few years ago, I talked to a person who is part of a big, big company that creates soap. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Soap. he told me about a product that they created with a soap that, let's say, costed them one euro. And Mm -hmm. let's say that in the world of soaps, one euro is, say, Mm -hmm. it's not much for a soap. This soap that was with good ingredients, it was a good amount of soap. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted to buy it because everybody thought it's way too cheap and there is something wrong with it. Mm-hmm. So they tried to change a little bit of package, but it was a good package. So mm-hmm. again, it didn't work. And uh, they hired a person who is outside of the firm. And what he actually told them was to increase the price. And once they did it, It turned out it's a really well-selling product. And people just did not want to believe that this piece of soap can be so cheap. So Mm -hmm. to me, that's very, very normal. And uh, honestly, this this is kind of the mentality of the client, in my opinion. I'm surprised you didn't start it from the very beginning. It will be interesting to see how it develops. When was the first moment you started Cherry Deck? How many years ago? About two years ago with the with prototype. Mm-hmm. And then we launched like the real site a year ago. So January last year. So not that long time ago. We're small. We're young. We get a lot of feedback from people who say like, hey, we need this, we need that, which I fully understand. Mm-hmm. But we, we're still pretty small, you know, because we're not making millions. So we, we have to do one thing at a time. But um, what I can promise everyone also people listening here, it's getting better day by day, small steps, but it's getting better. It is getting better, to be honest. I am part of uh, the Cherry Deck Society from, I think, the very beginning. Not mm-hmm. quite sure when I joined it, but I must say that I enjoy the website more and more. 
Cool. That's very nice. Good to hear. Tell me what was the hardest part since the very beginning? There's this two sides for me as a person, this entrepreneurial side, which has a lot of internal stuff, building a good team, raising some money to finance everything, building good operations, building a good team culture, making sure everybody's happy, you know, all this internal stuff. Mm -hmm. This is usually not easy. And then there's the external stuff, which is finding so-called product market fit, having a product that fits the demand of the market on every aspect. I would say on the first part, I've succeeded. You know, I have a very good team, but the product market fit side, we didn't get there yet. You know, companies that have product market fit are like Facebook, Instagram, Uber, those big companies, you know, that grow like crazy because all the world knows about the product. If you launch somewhere, you know, people know it in advance because, you you know, you talk about it. We're still in a phase where people say like, yeah, okay, it's pretty good. And let's see what's going to happen. And let's see, you know, how it turns out. Some people are very happy. Some people are not happy at all everything in between. And and we're finding this spot, you know, where we know like, okay, this is exactly what we have to do. It's like with the photographer, you know, when you try to build your style, you you try to find a a real specific style where people say like, they're going to book you for the specific style you represent, because it fits their brand. And and I think finding this is ongoing work, obviously, but I, I think this is the hardest part of building a company in general. I completely agree that it's exactly like the photographer bad, actually, because it's creating a business. So Mm. it's basically the same. Yeah. Now that we know what was the hardest part, what was the thing that helped you the most? Maybe this is going to be a great advice for the people that are starting their photography business Mm -hmm. so that they can turn to something that will for sure help their path. For me... It's my team, I'm quite sure. So I try to surround myself with a team that is much better than I'm myself. People that are experts in their field, that are structured in their work, that have a commitment to quality, that have a commitment to performance, all those things, you know. And I'm really proud that I have managed to find a team and hold a team, you know, that has all of these traits. But this doesn't really apply to a photographer. I think it does, to be honest. I mean, it does in projects, but like I, I would say in a different way. I think another thing is mm-hmm. what I also see in a lot of photographers is the willingness to aggressively put yourself out there. A lot of people, they assume if they do nice things, it's going to be enough. It's going to be enough. Yeah. But it's not. Mm-hmm. Having nice things is the flower to the cake. It's the basic ingredient, but then you have to show stuff to people. And a lot of people will say like, yeah, you know, Instagram is not working for me. And then I ask them, okay, how much do you use it? Say like, yeah, like maybe I check in once a week. And say like, well, then it's not working because it's Instagram. It's not working because it's you, you know, because Mm -hmm. you're not putting enough work. And I ask people, okay, how many brands did you pitch this week? And say like, yeah, you know, last time I've done it is like six months ago. And I say like, well then it's not hard for me to understand why there's not a lot of jobs for you. Because for everybody who wants to build a success, has to put their stuff out there, you know, because otherwise nobody's going to see it. It's one thing, you know, to have something that people don't like or people do like, but it's it's a completely different thing to not being out there. And it's the main ingredient for success, I think. 
because even mediocre photographers, they can make a good living just because they're good salespeople. Yeah. And imagine having a good portfolio and being really good and then doing good sales. Then you're just going to be super successful. Absolutely. But you have to do it. You have to sit down every day, an hour every day, write one company every day, research a company, write to them, find the right person, pitch them, do it every day. Then it's 365 leads a year. You've been on the other side. You've been the one choosing photographers for projects. Yeah. And you said that you've been handpicking them back then again. Mm -hmm. But if you were receiving pitches from photographers, mm -hmm. what do you think is going to be the perfect pitch? I like people that have spent time understanding what I need. For example, we have these opportunities on our side, and I see a lot of people just sending the same stuff all the time. And this, I can already promise, it doesn't work. Say I have a construction business. It doesn't make sense for people to pitch me, say like, yeah, I see you have a construction business. I do photo for construction businesses. That's not enough. What you have to understand is what exactly are they doing? Where exactly would they need content? And then you, you, know, you go to their website, say like, yeah, I can see you have a lot of nice photos of your team, but there's not enough photos of your product, for example. Mm-hmm. I thought like I could take photos of your product and this is how I do product photography, you know? And then, then it's easier for people to understand like, yeah, yes, actually he's right. We've been planning to do this all the time. I mean, or maybe they're going to say no because like, say, it's not about the product, it's more about the people, which is fair. But I think spending time on a, on a lead makes a lot of sense. And also what I can see, a lot of people, while photography is an art, it's also a service. And a lot of people think of themselves as artists, which is nice when you create something, but it doesn't help at all when you're on the business side of your job. You know, you're on the creation side and then the business side. And people say like their website says, I create unique experiences with light and da 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 da. This doesn't help you, you know, sell your product to somebody. You have to really find what they need and sell it to them that you can fix their need. And then in the actual photography job, you can be artistic. And this is also something I think a lot of people, or we at least see, I mean, we see hundreds of people every day where we see this doesn't work. People could be much better there, much better in specifically articulating what the value is of their work and not being poetic. Mm -hmm. And on your website, uh, we can always find these types of opportunity for actual jobs. And there is also price range, which I think is very helpful too. Mm -hmm. We also have to write down like a little motivational letter of why mm -hmm. we want to work with this client. Mm -hmm. And I think you just gave us a great hint on how mm -hmm. to do that. So on charitydeck.com, you guys can find all the information additional to the this amazing project. I really find it amazing because Whenever I travel, it's always very hard for me to find the right people on the right location because Instagram is not really letting you do that very easily. But with Cherry Deck, you can do it instantly, which is so great. I'm happy you're using it. Oh, yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for being our guest today. It was really a pleasure. Thank you uh, very much for taking the time to interview. And everybody else, if you have a question, just drop me an email, philip at charity.com or ping my mobile or whatever you want. Always happy to answer. I'm wishing you all a great day. And yep, that's it. You can find the link to Cherry Deck's side on our website called photographypodcast.net. 
There, you can also contact us and you can send us an email with the topics that you'd like to hear in our Friday episode. Don't be shy and reach out to us because we love it when we receive emails from you guys. Thank you so much for joining us today on this very special day. And thank you for giving us a chance to share our common love and passion for photography.